This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Coming up on today's show, we recap deer hunting and talk about some bad news in Paul Bunyan Country deer hunting with Blaine Clement, the Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. This is Dick Beardsley, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Well, we're checking back in with uh, Blaine Clemick. He's the Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager as we are wrapping up deer hunting, the rifle deer hunting season here. Blaine, first of all, thanks for being here. And secondly, we're not going to bury the lead. Let's just go with the story everybody's wanting to know more about, and that is uh, the suspected CWD positive deer just 10 miles south of the region. Yes, uh, that was a blow, Kevin, without a doubt. Hearing about uh, suspect positive chronic wasting disease, suspect positive deer harvested by a hunter uh, in our neck of the woods wasn't something that any of us, any hunter, anybody in the public, or obviously any of the staff uh, working for DNR Wildlife um, wanted to hear. Uh, you know, we are in the second year of surveillance activities for chronic waste and disease uh, anyway, but uh, this this sort of this discovery, if it turns out to be indeed a positive sample, it's you know suspect so far, but yet you know it goes through uh, uh, form you know more testing so we, to, to confirm the results. Uh, but you know it's fairly positive uh, that this will end up becoming a, a positive deer. But um, what this does then will set the stage for um, you know increased surveillance activities and. Uh, uh, instead of us, uh, instead of this area that we are here in the Bemidji area, the permit 184 and adjacent permit areas that are called surveillance, uh, surveillance CWD surveillance zone, it, it will now uh, become a management zone, which sets uh, different different restrictions. Uh, you know, things like carcass import restrictions would be in place for uh, future hunts and so forth, and. In any event, um, yeah, it, it, it seems as though a deer hunter harvested a deer um, 10 miles or so south of Bemidji. Um, and I don't know a lot of detail yet about this. Uh, you know, it's just I imagine the deer was a healthy-looking deer. Uh, that's what I'm imagining. Uh, um, you know, typically, to tell you the truth, Kevin, those few animals that have tested positive wild deer in the state of Minnesota, 160-some-odd deer since we began sampling in 2001, I believe, 2002. Um, deer that are harvested by, by uh, hunters, these animals that do end up having CWD don't look like they're sick at all. In fact, we, don't, we rarely see a sick deer. Um, it's, 
it's it, you know the symptoms aren't manifested until much later in the process of the disease but uh, i would imagine that this hunter um, harvested a deer that looked normal mm-hmm. and uh, just so happened that uh, um, it was sampled uh, at the Senex South Station, uh, right along Highway 71 and, and US 2, and our staff and college students were there for opening weekend. You know, sampling, uh, sampling uh, hunter harvested deer, and and that's where that sample was dropped off and or taken from, and uh, from there to a diagnostic lab in Colorado, uh, and then, like I said earlier, um, the, the results will be confirmed, and uh, we'll know maybe yet this week. If uh, that animal was, in disease, was indeed, um, you know, affected by chronic waste disease. So, um, and, and I guess at this point, I mean, there's no way of knowing where it came from. Um, was it part of the issue that was up north from a couple of years ago, or is it something something totally different? I mean, it was a different side of Bemidji, but it you know it wasn't like it was a hundred miles away or anything. Right, you know, deer do travel, especially bucks. That's why. You know, CWD is often, um, it, it will, it, uh, CWD occurs in both sexes, bucks and does alike, but does uh, have a smaller home range and bucks, you know, have much larger home range. It's just their, their, their behavior their, uh, during the breeding season, they move farther. But to say that a deer moved from north of Bemidji near the Hines area, uh, to the south of Bemidji, well, that just probably isn't likely. So where did this deer come from, um, and how did this deer possibly, you know, become afflicted with uh, CWD? It's it's just an unknown. It's You could say it's an anomaly, but um, we're going to find out uh, with increased surveillance, you know, getting more samples. It just, you know, is this, is this prevalent in the population at any perceptible uh, rate and so there you go uh, we will be uh, right now our, our staff our staff put away all of the um, self-service sampling stations you know they already stored them away in Park Rapids for you know next year well when we learned about this this uh, discovery of, of a possible CWD infected deer the same staff from Park Rapids and, and Bemidji Eric Thorson and and uh, Justin Pitt and others set out all those self-service sampling stations back out where they were before and in a few other locations. So I say that to say this. There are a bunch of, you know, there, there's a hunting season going on yet. You just mentioned it, you know, through this weekend yet. So deer hunters have the the opportunity to drop off their heads at these self-service sampling stations Um and, you know, they have to fill out a tiny bit of paperwork, and there's instructions at every one of these self-service sampling stations on how to how to do that. Real simple. Um, we have all the materials you need to, to do it right there at uh, these stations. But, uh, yeah, they, they'll have that opportunity to drop off deer heads for getting sampled yet throughout this season, this 100-series season. And, and then, very likely, we'll leave leave those same sampling stations out through uh, the muzzleloader season, which starts, you know, right after Thanksgiving. Right. Um, boy, this is a tough thing to deal with because it is such an unknown, and you, you don't 
like you said, you don't know where it came from and, and how many have been affected. And like the other key thing, as you noted, um, years and years and years, they look healthy, right? Um, yeah. You know, we've got tons of deer that come running through our yard daily, and uh, some of them could be, and we have no idea. Mm-hmm. True. You know, and, and when we think about chronic wasting disease that exists in, in our wild herd, you have to go to southeast Minnesota to to really find uh, an actual population of deer that that it does exist within that population. Yet that population in southeast Minnesota CWD exists at a very low rate, less than one percent. So, you know, I, I would have to say our efforts to uh, you know, to slow the spread of chronic waste and disease and keep it at a manageable level, um, you know, we should get uh, a pretty good report on that. Uh, DNR and hunters uh, that participate in this, uh, you know, given that it was mandatory to, to have your sample sampled or your deer sampled, um, you know, if it wasn't for the hunters in their participation and, and uh, cooperation, um, we would not we would not be able to keep chronic waste and disease at bay like we have been but what we will do now now that we know that there is at least one wild deer here in northern minnesota, northwest minnesota that uh, likely has has had cwd um you know we're going to be stepping up efforts to get more samples to try to understand what the prevalence rate is in the population and you know if in the next few years we don't get another sample, or I should say another positive sample, well, that will be a good thing, um, obviously, but uh, it would tell us through statistics and analyses of all the data that, yeah, well, if it exists here up in the north, it, it exists at a very, very low, low prevalence rate. Okay. Well, we, you know, we know like when it's fishing and we're talking about zebra mussels and other, you know, AIS, we know, you know, we, we know what to do with the boat. We know what we're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do besides, uh, um, you know, getting, getting our deer tested when we get one? Is there anything else we can or should be doing to try to help? I really appreciate that question. Um, what can we do uh, as hunters, as people, that enjoy watching and observing deer. Um, one thing that I strongly recommend is uh, that no one feeds deer. Uh, it, it is fun to feed animals. I mean, I feed birds, okay? But I comply with uh, the rules in place now, and the, the feeder is up off the ground by six feet or so where the deer deer can't necessarily get at it and these kinds of things. Um, what, what, we, what you don't want to do is is feed deer or attract deer to uh, a place where they are congregating close together. Now, people will argue, well, you know, they go to food plots and they're together and they eat and such, but typically, like, say, in a food plot or, or in any place where there's food available, natural foods for deer, they're not necessarily animals that uh, are feeding on the same thing nose to nose that close together, okay? When you're feeding deer, when you're, uh, you know, say a pile of corn on the ground uh, and these kinds of things or bird seed, whatnot, deer are feeding close together. They're defecating. They're urinating. They're nose-to-nose contact, saliva. And that's how, that's how disease in general is spread amongst the population. 
and, and deer, no exception, and chronic waste and disease. Uh, you know, these. It's hard to kind of get a concept of what on earth a protein, a misshapen protein, is. Uh, that 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 are prions, prions uh, of CWD, but they are shed in the environment through saliva and all those other things that I mentioned, um, and in close proximity to each other, deer anyway, they, they can spread the disease that way. So that's something that people can do uh, to help um, us, to help our deer herd, the health of our deer herd, is to, is to not feed deer. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. You think about us as humans. I know a lot of people that uh, don't even you know want to use a public water fountain because there's a possibility there might be some germs. Well, just think if they're... <laughs> They're nose to nose, like you just described. Well, precisely, and, and you know, we all learned as a society over the last two and a half years uh, just what it means to uh, be hyper aware of uh, spreading disease, spreading spreading um, germs. Uh, you know, because of the pandemic that we've all lived through and are you know living right now in. Um, yes. Uh, we could put masks on deer, <laughs> but uh, it wouldn't work with CWD, but it is spread through, you know, like I said earlier, nose-to-nose, uh, saliva, you know, anything like that, urine, even uh, even semen, uh, believe it or not, can uh, can, can contain uh, prote- uh, misshapen protein, prions that give rise to chronic waste and disease. And, you know, and you mentioned earlier uh, the... The unfortunate uh, disposal of illegal carcasses up, you know, the the CWD that was discovered in the Servet farm up uh, north of Bemidji, um, you know, those that site right now, of course, has a fence around it, and uh, the bones that were discovered from those illegally um, disposed of deer carcasses from that deer farm, bones that were collected by staff and, and research biologists from uh, the University of Minnesota, um, the Minnesota Center of Prion Research and Outreach, they, uh, you know, they determined through, through uh, lab work that uh, many of those bones that were picked up from that site contain prions that can give rise to CWD, and so that's why we fenced in that site to, to keep wild deer out of it. Well, uh, I guess, you know, it's kind of a wait and see at this point and, and do what we can do and uh, and, yeah. and hope that we, like you say, it, it looks like we'll be able to keep it at a low pre- prevalence. Let's hope that's the case. Um, Blaine, statewide, I know you guys, you know, talk to each other and you hear what's going on. Has there been any other regions of the state where we found some CWD other than the, the ones we knew about earlier? Not at this time and uh, that I'm aware of. I haven't checked you know anybody actually out there listening? If you want to go on the DNR website, just type into the search engine CWD or CWD results, and you will instantly be transported to uh, the web page that you can see clearly uh, the samples submitted by deer permit area throughout the entire state of Minnesota, and you can learn by looking at this uh, table of contents of the 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 submitted samples and uh if any of them are suspect you know as far as uh suspect uh cwd 
Um, and I haven't looked at it lately. I don't know for sure if any samples uh, have come back other than that one in Bemidji yet, uh, although that one probably is not posted as uh, positive yet because it's got to go through that second round of, of testing to make sure that it really was CWD. Okay. That'll eventually show up on that uh, web page, and anybody can do that. But as far as I know, nothing up here in the Northland but there could very well have been uh, one or two, who knows for sure, um, until I look at that site, um, if any down in the southeast, um, where, where it does exist in the wild herd uh, at, a, at a detectable rate of uh, prevalence. On a more positive note, let's just talk deer hunting uh, through the first two weekends and deep into the uh, the final week of mm-hmm. deer hunting season. What have we heard as far as uh, populations out there, as far as harvest goes, as far yeah. as sizes goes? How How's everything? Well, um, you know, it, for one thing, I would have to say that sometimes I think we all fixate too much on the numbers and the decrease uh you know, you, you often will see it, and people know this, that uh, pay attention to this, that it'll be reported that, oh, we're down X percent, you know, and that shouldn't necessarily be viewed as something negative, um, you know, unless there's an actual population uh, impact, and, and we're all concerned about uh, a population decline, and that's that follows with, you know, less harvest. But I would say that the deer population in the state of Minnesota is is healthy and you know pretty strong and in and, and good numbers you know over a million deer for sure uh, but that said um, and though the harvest sounds strong uh, 110 over 110,000 deer have been killed since uh, since uh, the beginning of the hunting season on November 5th um, but statewide that has equated now into an 11% decrease um, in the population, or I should say in the harvest compared to last year's total harvest. So down 11% and up here in the Northland, uh, you know, Northwest, uh, we're down a little bit higher. I mean, or a little bit more is uh, 16% um, uh, in, at least in the 100 series, we call the 100 series DPAs where you, get, you have the 16-day season which would be like right here in permit area 184. Um, that, we're down 16% there. And then in the 200 series deer permit areas, that uh, those permit areas that are in the, the northwest of the northwest, um, that, that we're down 9% there. So overall statewide harvest, and including up here in the northwest, we're, we're down harvest-wise. Uh, but there's still a week left here. Um, Granted, the weather has turned a little uh, south, if you will. Uh, there's a muzzleloader season yet to have. And, uh, you know, just to inform your listeners, there is a possibility that because of this this suspect positive CWD uh, sample that we took in Bemidji there, or the Bemidji area, that there is a possibility that there could be a um, late season CWD management hunt that would enable hunters to actually harvest additional deer with the rifles um, to, you know, ultimately help us uh, obtain more samples. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be a few people who would want to take advantage of that. 
Definitely so, and, and you know, people do, especially with the first time you have such a hunt available. We've had some of these, you know, in the southeast. We even had one last year over there in the far northwest, over by Crookston, Climax area. But the thing of it is, and, and I'm sure anybody that hunts uh, deer, that uh, you hunt late season deer, um, like with a bow, uh, or in the muzzleloader season for that matter, the weather uh, gets pretty cold. And uh, that affects hunter participation. Um, unless you've got one of those heated boxes to sit in, uh, you know, being out there in the elements when it's below zero, um, it's it's not easy to to hunt in, and it's a lot of times it's harder to to find and uh, harvest a deer. Too. A ton more deer hunting and other types of hunting talk with Blank Public still to come. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service. My back sure hurts from carrying Kev Jackson for all these years. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service and Fish House Rentals. Are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure? Well, look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is the place to be. There are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji. Come drop a line at Becoming a Fishing Legend. While on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories. I'm Kevin Cochran, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. Picking things back up with Blaine Clemick, the Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager. Blaine, let me throw something else at you. I've heard from a few different people. I wouldn't say it's a groundswell, but I've heard it from a few different people in a few different areas of the state. Uh, concern that there's too many wolves out there again, and that's scaring the deer. What What are your thoughts on that? What What do you know about that? Well, that is, you know, it can be true in some places, Kevin. Uh, wolves obviously prey on deer, but... Uh, to understand wolf behavior is to also know that it isn't just deer that they prey on. Um, uh, you know, not to say that uh, they don't have an impact because they could and can. Here in the in the far northwest, sure, we've got wolves, but we don't have near as many wolves here in the northwest part of the state as they, you know, as the northeast part of the state has. Um, wolves can have an impact on. Uh, uh, fawn survivorship if you know in in fact research has shown recent research very interesting research that uh, was conducted by um, I think it was either the National Park Service or the US well I'm not sure now I'll tell you the truth but it was maybe some Canadian research biologists but it was done in Voyagers National Park and elsewhere uh, in Canada too um, in any event just cut to the chase here this particular research was to understand what wolves prey on throughout the year. Um, you know, it, it, there are people out there that think maybe it's just deer, deer, deer. Uh, well, 
interestingly, these animals, these wolves that were collared and, and studied and, and followed and uh, to, to determine what they were feeding on, um, they were able to do this by finding out, you know, when, when, when activity would sort of stop. Uh, it was assumed that, you know, there must have been a kill and they're feeding in one spot for a while and they were able to go then to that particular spot in the woods and find whatever the wolf was feeding on. Well, in the in May, or I should say, uh, in uh, just right out after ice out, guess what was uh, the number one prey for wolves right after ice out? Beaver. You know, beaver. Uh, right after ice out, um, you know, they're they're anxious to to finally get at what they like to do, and that is uh, cut wood and uh, eat the bark and you name it. Uh, they've had a long winter under the ice, uh, feeding on their food raft. Uh, they're eager to get out onto land, and wolves have figured this one out. And wolves uh, that are good at it lie in wait and prey on beaver. I mean, that's there's an unbelievable amount of fat and protein uh, in in a beaver carcass. So that that's uh, for a period of time. They're feeding on beavers primarily. Um, of course, sick deer and, and and weak deer from the winter are vulnerable to wolf depredation or predation. And then followed by that. Uh, May fawns are targeted by wolves, but black bears too, for that matter, um, are targeting fawns. And then it segues into you know the fawns are too big uh, to capture, generally speaking. So uh, adult deer are are targeted uh, in you know midsummer to fall and into winter and and that. So there's a there's a cycle to everything and. Wolves is another, but yeah, wolves predation can have an impact on a population uh, without a doubt, uh, especially local populations where the two exist. And, and one quick other story, Kevin. One time I remember uh, um, doing a deer survey, aerial deer survey, uh, up near the Agassiz National Wildlife Refuge, Thief Lake, WMA country, and and it was really interesting to see. Um, we saw a pack of wolves lying curled up in the snow in, in a woods, uh, aspen woods, where, you know, you could see through it fairly well. And uh, on each side of the wolf, uh, of the wolf pack were bedded deer, um, not, not like next to them, but, you know, within uh, actually surprisingly close distance. And, uh, deer and deer and wolves have lived together for a very long time and uh, seem to coexist. And deer have figured out uh, where wolf pack uh, territories are and exist on the fringes and so forth, and have a pretty uncanny way of avoiding uh, getting getting uh, preyed on. But uh, they do succumb to predation without a doubt, of course. Right. Well, what about uh, Blaine Clemick and his crew? How'd you guys do this year? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. I had a great time. Um, my hunting camp, uh, even though I'm surrounded by outstanding deer hunting right here at home, uh, southwest of Bemidji, the Beside area, I have a established deer camp up in Kitson County, north of Carlstad, just a little south of Helma. Um, and uh, in any way, uh, we hunt uh, our 80 acres and uh, a, w, a WMA up there, and some uh, nature. The Nature Conservancy has some land next to us too. But anyway, uh, deer were plentiful. I saw plenty of deer, but I was too picky, Kevin. <laughs> I was looking for a mature buck. Uh, I do have some venison in the freezer yet, so I didn't feel uh, the, the, the desperate need to, 
to uh, harvest the deer. I saw, I saw spikes. I saw small bucks and does and fawns, but I let them walk. But what what was uh, challenging, and I think a lot of hunters figured this one out, and it's probably one of the good reasons why the uh, harvest was, uh, you know, quite a bit lower than last year. Um, was was the weather? I mean, nine days a nine day season, which is what we have there. Uh, we saw weather from A to Z. Um, it was sunny. It was warm. It was calm. It gale force winds, uh, some rain, and then 12 inches of snow fell, a blizzard, and then uh, after the blizzard, uh, pretty darn cold temps. So all of that combined, you know, your hunter effort and hunter success is definitely going to decrease uh, in those types of conditions, especially if... Uh, you're just that kind of hunter like me that's still standing on open air stands, but uh, uh, the party did uh, didn't kill a deer. Others uh, in my party, you know, just two others, and then one guy's daughter. Um, uh, they were all kind of picky too. <laughs> so nobody went home with any venison this year. But there's the muzzleloader season coming up, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's kind of take a look at some of the other seasons. We, we had, uh, you know, a lot of waterfall seasons. We had uh, grouse season. We've had uh, fall turkey season. So um, what, what, how were those seasons as far as we know? Well, you know, I, I meet uh, with the area staff um, once a month. Uh, we, we have a Teams call where area staff... You know, for an hour and a half, we go over all kinds of business, and, and then one of the things that I like to do is just do a little round robin and, and give me a hunting report uh, or, or some of the projects that you're doing and planning and so forth. And, and uh, the last one we had just a short time ago was uh, sort of a recap of what the hunting seasons have been like for some of the, the areas. And throughout the Northwest, uh, wildlife offices are anywhere from uh, Glenwood south, you know, to all the way north to Bedette and uh, Roseau River and Carlstad, so uh, across the whole landscape. And uh, most most of the area staff reported pretty good rough grouse hunting, okay. decent wood, woodcock hunting, and uh, uh, a, fair, a fair number of wild turkeys. People are catching on to this fall turkey hunting. Um, participation is still pretty low. License sales are pretty low yet. Um, but it's just something that I don't know. People don't really necessarily think about a lot. But turkey, uh, those that are off after fall turkey, um, you know, c- can do pretty well. Uh, I think uh, you and I talked about it once where one of the things the guys are doing, hunters are doing, is uh, when they're bow hunting, they've got a turkey license in their pocket. And uh, they can take a turkey that way that often will pass by you in, in your tree stands. But um, uh, other hunts, uh, the the elk hunt that we had up in the northwest part of the state, Kitson County, um, and uh, you know those those populations, the two populations up there, the two zones, zone twenty and thirty. Uh, the bull bull take was pretty high. I think just about every hunter that had a bull tag or either sex tag got their bull but those that did not have uh that tag in their pocket the otherwise other other words uh a cow tag mm-hmm. uh, weren't as successful um i think if i remember right roughly 40 percent of those that had those cow tags uh, uh harvested an animal which 
if you compare that to like any western state uh, you know you give your back teeth for 40 percent uh, success rate so it's still pretty good still pretty good um, waterfowl hunting was spotty depending on where you were um, but Roseau River Thief Lake um, places like you know the big major units with the water reported pretty outstanding hunting um, however what was what some somewhat concerning Kevin is uh, I just saw um, some license sale data the other day about you know license sales you know this is all stuff that we can get from the license center and it's very valuable information to see how many licenses are sold how many stamps are sold how many youth licenses and so forth and uh, waterfall stamps waterfall license all these things are are just trending downward and uh, some four to to five percent fewer licenses being sold so it's hard to really get a handle on why that is um you know one of the reasons is that the baby boomers are kind of falling out of it uh, as far as hunting and you know their participation so recruitment and retention and reactivation are all important things that we continue to do to try to get more hunters in the population again but um it it's definitely things that minnesota is is not immune to uh we are trending southward too as far as license sales and hunting participation uh just like other states uh yet less so than many of the states okay what about uh, the bear season this year bear season bear season uh, uh over 2000 bears were harvested and uh a little bit more than i think um it, we thought going into the season um you know based upon uh data based upon um uh, information with regard to the natural food, uh, you know, availability that we had a we had a much better fall as far as mast um, production out there, soft and hard mast acorns, berries, fruits, you name it. And so, generally speaking, in fact, maybe not even generally speaking, it's always the case when there's a when there's a season that you have good productivity of natural foods, bear bear take bear harvest decreases and then vice versa like we had a higher harvest after the drought last uh, uh year ago and this year's harvest a little over 2000 um most of those uh, good high percentage uh, maybe 60 or so percent of those bears harvested were males which which is what dnr uh is uh, more interested in in harvesting males surplus males out of the population and, and fewer of the females so the bear hunters that were out there, um, I know that there were some rather large uh, boars that were harvested. Uh, I saw on Outdoor News, um, you know, five and 600-pound black bears mm. were harvested. So uh, Minnesota has quality bear hunting. Uh, you know, I know that people have to wait. You know, you hear reports of hunters that need to wait five, six years before drawing a permit on the, in these quota areas of the state. Um, but on the you know the flip side of that, one can think uh, that because of those weights and and limited licenses, our quality you know, of bear hunting is is pretty good. Um, our quality, the, the bear population in itself is is high quality and and so forth. So uh, we are we have a good strong bear population that are we're still trying to increase just a little bit because of 
uh, what we thought was maybe over-harvest of females several years ago. All right. Anything else, Blaine, we should know about? Well, um, let me think about this for a second. <laughs> uh, CWD, of course, is still you know main thing that we're, we're very concerned about, and uh, we still have hunts going on. In fact, I will be heading down to uh, southeast Minnesota, Rushford in that bluff country of uh, Minnesota, beautiful area of the state. I'll be helping staff down there coming this weekend and into next week uh, with chronic waste and disease uh, sampling efforts down there for their 300 series B season uh, that they have uh, in the southeast part of the state. And, and uh, well, there's, there's other things going on, uh, you know, just on the personnel side of things. Um, you know, we've got some vacancies in the section of wildlife. Uh, our Fergus Falls Area Wildlife Supervisor position is vacant, and uh, I'm conducting interviews right now uh, for that position. So we hopefully will have uh, 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 someone, area supervisor, in place at the Fergus Falls office uh, by December sometime. And, and uh, anyway, it's just after after the hunting season is over, we will begin the whole budget cycle again and planning projects for next spring, burning, prescribed burning projects for next spring and, and these sorts of things. So it's just, there's no, there's no time of year that's uh, not busy, uh, and that's a good thing, though, too. Ice fishing <laughs> is right around the corner. Yeah. Maybe. For some daring people, I don't know, have you heard of anybody out yet? I have not. <laughs> uh, it won't be long, though. It won't be long at these temperatures, right? <laughs> Yeah, as soon as it gets uh, three to four inches, there's going to be somebody out there. Somebody out there. This All the snow that we're getting is never something that you desire to have early ice season. Uh, that's one thing. Um, although LaSalle Lake down here, when I came home the other day from Kitson County, uh, in my, Kitson, my Kitson County deer hunt, that, that lake, LaSalle Lake, was completely you know free of ice yet. Yeah, well, most most of them are. I mean, yeah, uh, today. Yep. Dick Beardsley was just telling me the other day, he checked out some of the really small hidden away lakes, and some of those are locked up tight, but, yep. it, you know, everything else still got a lot of open water. No doubt. I imagine there's a crazy musky angler or two still out there. <laughs> yeah, there probably is. Yeah, there's probably a boat or two out there. Trying <laughs> to, yeah, it's that time of year, you can you hear about these guys that are after muskies and fisher anglers that are after muskies in the fall and these late seasons do pretty well once again you know as as we're kind of waiting to find out definitively any other cwd stories and the cwd stuff going on here what was the uh, spot on the website we should be looking for yes just go on to dnr website and uh easiest way and i do it all the time um, even though I know how to navigate to all these various web pages by just click, click, click here and there, um, just go up to the search engine and, and just hit CWD or type in CWD and, and uh, hit you know select or enter and you're, you're going to you're, you're going to go right to the CWD management web page and from there you you find the CWD test results and all of that or you can just simply type into the search engine CWD test results you'll go right to that direct web page. All right. He is Blaine Clemick, Wildlife Manager, Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager here in the Bemidji area and all ports uh, in Northwest. Uh, Blaine, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for all the insight, and I know we'll be talking to you not that far down the road. Great. It's 
always good talking to you, Kevin, and uh, thank you for the for the call and the time. Pop on in country.